0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sports by the Hour podcast. Today, it's Ethan Schaap and Matthew Schwab. And our topic is uh, our week two reactions to the 2019 NFL season.
1: The first game we're going to be talking about is the Baltimore Ravens versus the Arizona Cardinals. I think it should have been a blowout. The Ravens were hot after their 59-10 dismantling of the Miami Dolphins in week one and were looking to continue their dominance. The first half led people to believe that the Cardinals would suffer the same fate as the Dolphins, but the second half introduced the league to a future star. Kyler Murray has been perfect in the second half through the first two weeks. He had that massive comeback against the Lions and nearly did the same to the Ravens in their home opener. However, at the end of the day, it was Lamar Jackson who came up big when it mattered most, throwing a 41-yard bomb to Marquise Brown on the sideline and blanky coverage to move the chains on third down late in the fourth quarter. While Kyler played great, Lamar cemented himself as easily a top-ten quarterback in the league this year so far. He became the first player to ever throw for 270 yards and rush for 120 yards in a single game, and now has seven touchdown passes through the first two weeks, topping his season mark of six touchdowns all last year. In my eyes, I see Lamar as elite now that we've seen him under pressure. While the major story was Kyler Murray and how he will continue to perform, Lamar Jackson stole the show, showing that week one was no fluke and that he's here to win.
0: The next game I'm going to talk about is the Cowboys' 31-21 win over the Washington Redskins. The Cowboys are off to a great start this year. Dak has taken great steps in his passing game. He completed 26 out of his 30 passes. He threw for 269 yards, rushed for 69 yards, threw for 3 touchdowns, and only 1 interception. He had a passer rating of 123.5. The Cowboys offense has been firing on all cylinders under new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. They had 474 total yards compared to the Redskins' 255 yards. Dak and, Amari, Dak, and, Dak and Amari Cooper connection has grown since last season. Michael Gallup has also taken the next step in his career. They have a healthy Randall Cobb who brought a speed element to their offense. They also got back Jason Witten from retirement who scored a touchdown in each of the first two games and brought another leadership role to the locker room. On offense, they also have, arguably, a top three or two running back in Ezekiel Elliott, and the best O-line in my opinion. This is why their offense is so explosive and dangerous. The Cowboys have scored nine touchdowns in two games. Last season, it took them six games to get to nine touchdowns. The offense is new and it's elite. I believe that right now, with Drew Brees being out for six weeks and the Eagles with their many injuries, the Cowboys are a top team in the NFC. The Seahawks and the Rams are also Top teams in the NFC. The Redskins have sadly lost Theris Geis again to IR. Therefore, Adrian Peterson is back. However, he was held to 25 yards on 10 carries, and the team only had 47 rushing yards. With no big-name receiver to, be, to focus on in their offense, they were limited. Case Keenum, however, played well. He had 206 yards of passing with two touchdowns, and he completed 26 of his 37 passes. The Cowboys were great on third down getting the first getting the first down seven of their 11 third downs the Redskins however struggled on third down only getting the first down two out of their nine third downs finally something the Cowboys are able to do with their strong offense especially with their run game is time of possession the Cowboys offense controls the clock allowing their defense to rest while the opponent's defense gets more and more tired as the game goes on the Cowboys time time of possession in this game was 33 minutes and 22 seconds to the Redskins, 26 minutes and 38 seconds.
1: So the next game we're going to be talking about is the Cleveland Browns and New York Jets. Disaster continues in New York. Everything fell apart with Trevor Simeon going down in the first quarter after being tortured by Miles Gary, who had the game of his life. However, Luke Falk showed promise. I think he's going to be a solid quarterback for the next few weeks for the Jets. He put up more drives and better numbers than Sam Donald or Trevor Simeon have in New York, and he showed potential. However, this game was about Cleveland. Odell Beckham had himself a game, capping the night off with an 89-yard touchdown catch and run off a quick slant across the middle. Then we have Miles Garrett, who played like a future defensive player of the year, finishing with three sacks and five quarterback hits to go along with five total tackles in the game. He tortured the Jets, mainly their quarterbacks. He injured Trevor Simeon and introduced Luke Falk to the NFL with a bone-crushing hit in the second half. The Browns have now formally introduced themselves to the league. They showed us just how scary they can be, and all that matters is whether or not they can continue playing like how they did on Monday. I think that Miles Garrett could easily be a future defensive player of the year, and I feel like this Browns team that played the Jets is the playoff team that everybody expected from them. This is the team that was supposed to be the most dangerous in the league this year, and they showed it. I think that Baker Mayfield is going to recover from his rough start to the season. I think he's going to catch a stride and quickly develop into that elite player that we saw last year that nearly took the Browns to the playoffs. Obviously, I think Odell Beckham is going to be well above average as he always is, always a top five receiver in the league. And I think a surprise for everybody is going to be just how impactful Jarvis Landry is to this offense. Jarvis Landry's always been a very underrated receiver, and I think that if tragedy does happen and Odo Beckham goes down with an injury, I think the Browns will be perfectly fine without him. I think Jarvis Landry is more than capable of carrying the weight of the receiving core on his back, and I think that even without Odo Beckham, the Browns could still make the playoffs, but obviously they have him, and they are... They're looking dangerous.
0: The next game we're going to talk about is the uh, Oakland Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, The Chiefs won this game 28-10. Patrick Mahomes is on on another level. The man had 278 passing yards and four touchdowns in one single quarter. He ended the day with 443 passing yards and completed 30 out of his 44 throws, and he got a passer rating of 131.2. He did all of this without his number one deep threat, Tyreek Hill, being out due to a shoulder injury. The Raiders actually got off to a fast start, scoring three on their first drive and then seven on their next drive, making it a 10-0 game. But then they never scored again. The Chiefs put up 28 points in the second quarter, and then they didn't score again. There wasn't a single point scored in the second half of this game. The Chiefs defense actually played well, sacking Carr three times and hitting him five times. The Raiders defense got deep, got beat deep, which makes sense because Mahomes obviously is a super dangerous quarterback when throwing the deep pass, but also their star rookie, but their starting rookie, safety, Jonathan Abram, who had an impressive week one against Denver, was out with his own sh- shoulder injury. For the Oakland offense, Josh Jacobs had another, another impressive game with 12 carries for 99 yards with an average of 8.3 yards a carry. Derek Carr, to me, played an okay game. He threw for 198 yards and one touchdown, but he did make two poor decisions late in this game that led to interceptions and and ultimately made them lose to this offensive juggernaut, the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Patrick Mahomes is something special. Patrick Mahomes is going to easily go down as one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. His talent is unmatched, he is the most gifted quarterback in the entire NFL, he has the most potential out of any quarterback or player at that matter in the entire NFL, and possibly is the most exciting player to watch since Barry Sanders, and he's at an entirely different position. The Chiefs have done an amazing job running this offense. They brought in a whole new system and they made it work. They, t- they went to the AFC Championship game last year and just barely lost to the Patriots in overtime on a few bad calls and an unlucky coin toss. The Raiders, on the other hand, the Raiders had a fall from grace. The Raiders were a top team in the league a few years ago uh, with Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, and all of a sudden everything fell apart. John Gruden came back. He traded away Khalil Mack before even meeting him for the first time. Derek Carr got injured a bunch. Amari Cooper got traded to Dallas, and the Raiders are Raiders are looking for those early first-round picks now. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs have a system that can last for years to come.
0: Uh I have a question for you. Um, it has to do with Jalen Ramsey rumors. Do you think there's any way Jalen Ramsey finds himself onto the Kansas City Chiefs this year?
1: If he does, then there's no doubt in my mind that the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Jalen Ramsey is by far the best cornerback in the league, and probably the best cornerback anybody's seen since Darrell Revis. Prime Darrell Revis. Um, and he has the potential to be even better. He's much quicker. He's got a lot more size on everybody than other corners. He's a hard hitter, and he's one of those only corners in the league that can actually make a tackle consistently. He's like a linebacker playing the cornerback position, and that's something that you don't find every day. The last time that I would see something like that would be watching Rod Woodson highlights on YouTube. So I think Jalen Ramsey is special and I think that if he does end up on the Chiefs, Chiefs could have Chiefs could have a dynasty in the hand in their hands.
0: Yeah, I think the Chiefs um should be doing everything they can to get Jalen Ramsey. Uh it was said that the Jaguars wanted two first. Um I think the Chiefs should jump all over that. Yes, their defense has major holes, but their first round pick this year was gonna be a bottom five first round pick. And probably, once again, next year, I bought a bottom five first-round pick. So I would send them both. I would do whatever I can to get that man on that defense.
1: So the next game we're going to be talking about is the New Orleans Saints at Los Angeles Rams. What a day for the Saints. A really, 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 really bad day, but one that was a long time coming. Age is not just a number, and Drew Brees was only getting older and becoming more and more injury-prone. No matter how healthy he stayed in previous years, a major injury – or even just a minor injury, was a long time coming and very much overdue. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald played like Aaron Donald. He played like the, the defensive player of the year that we all know him as. Um, last year's NFC Championship game clearly wasn't enough motivation for the Saints because they got destroyed. Um, Jared Goff, for the first time in a while, actually had a decent game. And Todd Gurley finally started to do Todd Gurley-type things for the first time in a while. That involved bullying any person who dared to step in his path. Teddy Bridgewater is now also the starting quarterback for the Saints, and honestly, I can't wait for him to play. I've always been a fan of Teddy Bridgewater. I think that his time in Minnesota was cut short from a dirty hit and from injuries. But I've always thought that Teddy Bridgewater as a young quarterback, had a lot of potential and had a lot of talent. He didn't have the weapons with him in Minnesota like he has now in New Orleans. So I think that if he can build a connection with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, I think that the Saints could hold out for a little bit longer until Drew Brees gets back. However, Teddy needs to form a bond with Michael Thomas now. He can't wait two, three weeks, because the Saints need to keep up the pace that they were at. The Saints need to continue to win if they want to make the playoffs and if they want to make a deep playoff run. Um, The season is basically riding on Teddy Bridgewater. If Teddy Bridgewater doesn't perform, the Saints' season dies. The Rams also established themselves as competitors with the Cowboys with this win. I never really had them as favorites in the NFC. Uh, I always had it as either the Saints or the Cowboys, Um, but the the Rams showed that last year was not a fluke, and they dismantled the team that nearly beat them last year in the championship game for a trip to the Super Bowl. The Saints are an extremely strong team, and with the way Los Angeles dismantled them, My thoughts on the Rams have changed. They have a shot at taking down the Cowboys, and they showed that on Sunday.
0: So do you think if uh, Teddy Bridgewater does alter or falter a little bit, uh, do you think you could see Taysom Hill going in as the starting quarterback?
1: I really want to see Taysom Hill at the starting quarterback. Taysom Hill can do a lot of things, and he showed a lot of promise in the preseason. I mean, he can play quarterback. He can play running back. He can play receiver. I I'd, I'd bet twenty bucks that he could play tight end if he really, really, really wanted to. He is very talented, and I can totally see him and Teddy Bridgewater switching off roles.
0: And I have one more statement about this game. Um, it's the miscall. It was the uh, the Jared Goff fumble that uh, Cameron Jordan picked up and ran back for a touchdown. That the uh, officials, or the refs, blew as an blew, blew, blew the play dead as an incomplete pass. Uh, to me, that's unacceptable. Uh, they're taught, as fans, we all know that if it's a close, fumble-like play, you let it play out, you let replay go back. If it's shown as an incomplete pass, it's an easy fix. But since they called it dead, the only thing they could give the Saints was the recovery of the ball, not the 70-yard run back. And therefore, the Saints didn't get a touchdown, and they ended up punting on that drive. So that's just a big momentum shifter. And once again, Rams versus Saints, Saints get screwed by the refs. So that's, a, that's that's unfortunate for Saints fans and the Saints organization. The next game I'm going to talk about is the Atlanta Falcons 24-20 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. To me, this was a very sloppy and messy game. There was numerous mistakes from both quarterbacks early that cost their teams. An example of this in the second quarter with about seven minutes left. Matt Ryan on back-to-back passes missed first Calvin Ridley then Justin Hardy for wide open touchdowns. They both beat their man downfield and it was about a 40 to 20 or it was about a 40 to 45 yard touchdown throw because in both plays he was in shotgun. He just overthrew them both. In my opinion you can't miss those throws and leave those points on the board. Then to make things worse the kicker Matt Bryan comes out and absolutely shanks the 50-yard field goal and they don't get any points then the Eagles get the ball Carson Wentz comes to come gets the ball comes onto the field and in one pass throws his second pick of the night to Desmond Trufant this is an example of sloppy and a messy game for me the Eagles in this game were played with injuries and I'll come back to talk talk about that more But on the last drive of the second quarter, Wentz was in the medical tent for a hit he had taken earlier that appeared to hurt his ribs. So Josh McCown comes in, the man they had picked to be their backup after Foles left. They went and signed McCown after he had officially retired from the NFL. Well, McCown had the nicest drive of the game so far. He just started throwing absolute bullets. McCown gets them to second and 10 on Atlanta's 13-yard line, and they pull him from the game. They send Wentz back out, who then throws two incompletions, and they settle for a 41-yard field goal, which was obviously disappointing to me, making the score 10-6 to Falcons over Eagles at halftime. Then fast forward to the fourth quarter. The Eagles find themselves down 12-17, to and we start to see a vintage Carson Wentz. Wentz put together a beautiful drive for 73 yards that consisted of 13 plays and took 8 minutes and 29 seconds off the board. It ended in a touchdown and a two-point conversion to Zach Ertz to give them the lead 20-17 to with three minutes left. Then the Eagles defense gets the Falcons to a fourth and three. All they have to do is stop them here. They line up in man coverage, and Matt Ryan immediately sees it and calls for the ball. He then throws a screen pass to Julio Jones. With some nice blocks from Muhammad Sanu and O-lineman Jake Matthews, it turns into a 54-yard touchdown, giving the Falcons the lead 24-20. to in my And the game was over. In my opinion, both quarterbacks played poorly. Matt Ryan had three touchdowns and three interceptions. With 320 yards and completed 27 of his 43 passes. Carson Wentz had one touchdown, two interceptions. He threw any through for 234 yards and completed 25 out of his 43 passes. Um, the Eagles uh, star receiver this game was uh, Nelson Aguilar. He had eight catches for 107 yards, averaging 13.4 yards per catch and he had a touchdown julio showed up the play and won them this game he had five receptions with 106 yards averaging 21.2 yards per catch and he had two tds in my opinion this game was defined so like the biggest factor of this game was the eagles injuries without these injuries i believe the eagles would have found a way to win this game alshon jeffrey and deshaun jackson missed the second third and fourth quarter Nelson Aguilar had to miss part of the part of a drive in the third quarter because he got blown up on a crossing route in the middle of the field. Wentz missed a drive due to uh, half a drive due to his uh being in the medical tent, and Ertz had to be helped off the field, but then finished the drive in the fourth. All of their star players on offense, besides their offensive line, were in some way hurt and had to play through it.
1: So, something that we've been wanting to talk about is Larry Fitzgerald. He has been having an absolutely extraordinary season so far. Back-to-back games to open the season with 100 plus receiving yards. One game, uh, week two with five catches for 108 yards. And week one, uh, eight catches for 113 yards. Larry Fitzgerald is 36 years old. Nobody should be doing things that he's doing at this age. Jerry Rice was great up until he retired. That's the only other player that's been doing the things that Larry Fitzgerald is doing. I think that what Larry Fitzgerald is accomplishing right now as a player and as a person is amazing for the NFL. Um, It's amazing for him. It's amazing for the Arizona Cardinals. The fact that he's been there his entire career and is without question going to retire an Arizona Cardinal, I think is absolutely amazing. Yeah,
0: I think it's just extraordinary that uh, someone of his age, 36, can play a position, um, the wide receiver's position, with a demand speed, hands, um, durability, getting hit by cornerbacks, and safeties across the middle. And not only still do it at 36, but put up numbers like that. Uh, I mean, in week one, he scored the touchdown that to sent him to overtime. Uh, he's still clutch, uh, reliable target. I mean, he's the best player on the Cardinals, I think, He's been the best player on the Cardinals since the day he got drafted for all, for all those years. I mean, you had you had Kurt Warner and you had uh, and Bolden. Bolden and what's it called? Palmer at some point. That was actually decent. But Larry Fisher, man, he's just been a beast since he started. And uh, I'm loving that he – I love to see how well he's been doing this season. The last thing in week two that I want to talk about is – uh, ben, ben Roethlisberger went down with an injury uh, he injured his elbow and had a surgery and he's out for the rest of the season uh, for the 0-2 Steelers this means trouble uh, they were struggling with him or yeah they're struggling with him so without him you only can expect that they're gonna struggle more uh, the loss of Ryan Shazier, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell over the last three years has really hurt this team um, honestly they can take a bright spot from it they do have Mason Rudolph who they drafted uh, two years back, he came in for this game. He uh, he ended the game with a completion percentage of 63.2. He threw for 112 yards. He had two touchdowns and one interception with a QBR rating of 92.4. And honestly, I don't think you can really ask for much more from a backup quarterback that just gets thrown into a game against uh, a very good, especially defensively team, being the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, my overall, like, thoughts on it is that the Steelers are going to struggle this season. Uh, I would still keep them at third in the division and missing the playoffs. Some could say they could fall below the Bengals when A.J. Green comes back healthy. But yeah, for Steelers, uh, it's a rough sight to see Bam Alexburg go down, especially that this might be his last year or one of his last years of his career.